We are glad that you are here in the Lord's house this morning. It is a joy and a grace that we should never take for granted. And so we thank the Lord this morning for the privilege. Let us begin our worship with number 21 in our hymnal. The words will be behind me on the screen. Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O Thou of God and man, the Son, Thee will I cherish, Thee will I honor, Thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Please stand as we worship. please now before the Lord in prayer and continue in the good spirit that we enjoyed this past week in our prayer times and as we interceded to the Lord and prayed for His glory to be revealed among us, we would know a gracious sense of His awakening and personal reviving, as we sometimes call it. The Lord would come and Encourage our hearts this morning. Let's bow, please, in prayer. 
Father, from our hearts this morning, we can say that our Lord Jesus Christ is fairer and purer and greater than all the creation, everything we see around us, Lord. And we know that He has done for us exceeding great, mighty, powerful, gracious, loving things. And Lord, the greatest is the salvation of our soul this morning. We are here in Your holy presence. And Lord, our desire this morning is that each one of us who know Christ would be filled with a spirit of thanksgiving, filled with thanksgiving for all that we have received and all that our Lord Jesus has done for us. Lord, we will never be cast off in a lost eternity. We will never have to atone for one of our sins. They have all been put beneath the precious shed blood and the atoning merit of our Lord Jesus. And so today, Lord, we know there is no condemnation against us. We are free, and we are already seated in glory. Dear Lord, I pray that we will each day walk and bask in the sunlight of this truth, that, Lord, we will taste the presence of Christ with us in that spiritual food and refreshment from the Word of God that we enjoy every day. And that, Lord, we will learn more of Him, that we will reflect more of His beauty. And, Lord, our lives would be changed into His glorious image. Father, do that great work in us, we pray. Continue to conform us, Lord, unto the image of our Savior, and help us to show that evidence day by day, one to another. Lord, please forgive us for the times that we have failed to even do the very least that is required of us as Your servants. Father, pour out Your grace and Your power continually. We are thankful for this last week that we have enjoyed each night in Your house, hearing the Word of God, opening our hearts in prayer, receiving much encouragement and blessing one from another, and most especially, Lord, from the Holy Spirit. And so help us to carry on and to go forward in that joy and in that grace and in that support that we have And Lord, help us to realize that the devil will not be far away to try to cause us to stumble and fall. For after we have received great blessing, indeed, Lord, there are times when, well, the devil is never far away to discourage and cast us down. So we ask, Lord, this morning that we would keep on going and continue in the cause and service of our Master and Lord I pray that Your blessing would be upon every family in our congregation. And Lord, that we, as we serve in many different capacities, that You would fill us with the Spirit of God each day to serve and to go forward and not go backward. Lord, what has been done here is because of Your purpose and grace working through us. And it's not our work 
And it's not because of us, and it's not by our ingenuity. Lord, we know it's all because of the working of Christ Jesus in us. Therefore, help us, Lord, to take no confidence in the flesh, but rather we will reflect all honor and praise unto Him who deserves it all. Lord, work deeply in our souls, we pray. Bless our congregation. And not only us, Lord, but we pray outside of of this fellowship for our own sister congregations that every man preaching the Word today would know the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in delivering the truth, and that souls would be converted and souls would be built up in our most holy faith. Lord, hear our prayers. And those outside our fellowship, outside our denomination, but are faithful to Christ, O Lord, bless them, we pray, and may there be a gracious awakening and reviving across our nation. Lord, help us and hear us, for our land is in desperate need of a spiritual awakening. Lord, we ask for blessing and salvation upon our political leaders. We ask, O God, that they would be kept from folly and evil. And Lord, You would retract and turn back the positions of evil and wickedness that's going on all the time. And as agendas are put forward, Lord, we are praying that they would be reversed. Hear us, Lord, we ask. Bless all of our churches, whether they are here in our land or far-off places, and our missionaries. And Father, again, we hold up today those who are being persecuted for righteousness' sake, those who are in jail, in prison, some kind of restraint placed upon them. O God, in harm's way, bless them, we pray. Help us to remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. Dear Lord, we pray for the advancement of the gospel in every continent, every country, every city of this world. Let not the devil have the ascendancy, but, O God, we pray that his kingdom will be undermined and destroyed at every turn. Lord, hear our prayer this day, and again we ask for your blessing upon those who are in great physical need today, those who are in perhaps some spiritual problem or some circumstance in life that is beyond them, O oh God, pour out your grace this morning. Thankful our brother Richard Teo is with us this morning. Lord, encourage your servant. Build him up, we pray, and strengthen him in body, soul, and spirit. And we again hold up others who we have been praying for continually. Bless them. So, Lord, receive our worship and our praise and our thanksgiving today and help us to enter in, to again be mindful and not forgetful of all that we have received from your hand. Hear our prayers now, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's please continue in our praise with Psalm 67. Psalm 67 will stand as we sing.
good singing this morning, good praise unto the Lord. Well, let's continue in that spirit of praise and prayer as we turn to the Scriptures now. We're going to read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, and we will pick up at verse 17 down to 31. We will be reading the rest of the chapter later on in the service, or at least some further verses, so you'll keep a marker in there. Mark 14 and verse 17, and in the evening... Jesus cometh with the twelve, and as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, and say unto him, One by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said unto them, it is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth, and is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and brake it, and gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee, but Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, shalt thou deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. Solemn words and this scripture that we have read many times, and yet we always pray that God would use His Word, His truth, that it would be written on our hearts and we would think deeply about that and about those and special words. 
want to welcome you all today to our morning worship service in the service for the first time, perhaps. And if you've returned to be back with us again, you're very welcome in the name of our Lord. And we also give a warm word of welcome to those on our uh, sermon audio webpage. And we're happy that you're able to join with us today. This past week has been another marker in the life of our congregation as we have set each night for seeking the Lord in prayer, hearing the Word, thanking Him for the great blessings He has given to us in our ministry here, and setting before the Lord those things which we desire His blessing upon. We need His wisdom and how we are to go forward in our congregation. And we pray that the Lord will open up new doors of service. He will direct us in the ministries that we have, and that every family, everyone that's a part of this ministry would know a great blessing from the hand of God. You pray that, believer, for your own life. You pray that for your own heart, your own family, your own children, and pray that for each other in our fellowship. We will know God's blessing and going forward to the honor of Christ Jesus. You can also beware that after we have enjoyed a great week, well, the devil's never far away to bring some kind of discouragement. He will be lurking around a corner, and he will set something in front of us that, well, it might be just a setback, some way of causing us to stumble and fall. Let's be ready. Let's be watching for that. We should always be looking out for the attempts of the devil to cast us down, but more so after we have received great blessing from the Lord. So, I encourage you to pray on. And as we have known the blessing of the Lord, remember all of the different times of prayer. We have the, the pre-service prayer time before our evening service at 5.50. Uh, you be sure to be there before the evening service. We meet in the room just outside the fellowship room here down the hall, and that's a good thing to prepare the heart for the evening service before each meeting. Let's just press on for all that we have to seek the Lord about. I have a note of thanks here from our sister Joan. As uh, good to see her in the service again today, and I know that we've been praying much for her, and she's very thankful to that to the pastor and to the church family. We are so blessed to have the church with good people who love the Lord Jesus. May God bless you all. And Philippians, she's given to us a verse of Scripture there, and so we remember our sister before the Lord. And also Duncan, we know that he's been not doing well either. It's good to have Brother Richard in the service this morning. We're happy, brother. We know you have not been able to be out for the last while due to the weather and so on, but we certainly are thankful you're here with us today, and we are holding you up before the Lord earnestly in prayer. So remember our service today in the afternoon, 5.50 for prayer, and the evening service at 6.30. And do come back and be with us tonight. I want to bring you a message on looking forward to, as we are in a congregation, and I'll be speaking about that just in a moment, about the election of two new elders. We're seeking the Lord for that, and so I want to share with you tonight 
what the Scripture has to say about that very important ministry and service of eldership and how we can prepare our hearts and our minds for that as we are seeking the Lord along that line. And so we're thinking about uh, the election of two elders. We leave ourselves and our congregation before the Lord on this matter. And today there is posted a membership list in the hall in the bulletin board. And also there is a nomination list that is there. And it's an example or uh, the evidence of those who are uh, qualified and able uh, to serve and the list of men uh, in our congregation. So we're asking the congregation, if you are a member of our church, you will be allowed to vote as we think about that coming up in April. And uh, we go through a nomination process, and then we allow all of those men to, well, come forward and speak to the elders that are currently serving, and uh, we'll see how the Lord is leading and directing in their lives. And then we're asking you folks to pray much about that in the next two weeks especially, because on February the 11th, well, I should back up a little bit, next Lord's Day, you'll get a nomination paper uh, from our brother James Fraser. He is the clerk of our session, and uh, he will give you one of those papers. And then the following Lord's Day on February the 11th, we'll ask you to submit those back to brother Fraser, and then we will uh, look at those nominations and proceed and keep you informed along the steps of the way. And if you have any questions about the process, you can speak to one of our elders or speak to me, and we'll be happy to share with you all of those details. But please remember that before uh, the Lord. On Tuesday evening this week, we have the ladies' Bible study that's recommencing, and that will be at 7 p.m. this Tuesday, but it's Zoom-only meeting. And so some of the ladies in the church, if you're new or you haven't been able to connect on up to this point, we want to encourage you to be a part of that ladies' Bible study. And you can speak to either to Jill or to some of the ladies or one of the elders and make sure your name is on the email list so you'll get that link sent out to you likely sometime on Monday for that meeting on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, our prayer meeting and our Bible study at 7.30, and let's again keep pressing on before the Lord. I ask for your prayer for Thursday because have another meeting in the Garden Terrace, and our sister Jacinta McGovern, and that's where she lives, not too far down Finch Avenue, and she's been working hard to get a Bible study devotional time going in that place where she's living. And so we're thankful for that, and 11 o'clock on Thursday we'll go again. It's a monthly time. We go to have a devotion, a time of singing and bringing the Word of God. And while we think about that, don't forget about Cedar Brook and that seniors ministry that we have, and praying for Lady Isabel, who trusted the Lord a couple of weeks ago, and that was a great encouragement. So remember all the men who go and speak also in that place. Then next Lord's Day, our Bible class is at 9.45, and then our morning service at 11, and the evening service at 6.30. These are all important ministries that we keep before the Lord. If you want a church directory, uh, phone directory and information, 
You speak to one of our men, and uh, if you're part of our fellowship, they'll be sure to give you one of those. Let me encourage you also to keep on going in your daily Bible reading, following the schedule of reading that we have. And if you didn't get one yet, we have one or two copies left. We can share that with you. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 229, 229, and we'll stand, please, to sing. of this nature, we would generally sing around our communion table. And before the time of remembering the Lord's death, most appropriate for that time, ah, but is it not appropriate whenever we think about the Lord and what He has done for us? And as we think about that, our communion service will be 
following our morning service next Lord's Day morning, so please also remember that. Turn back to Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. Verse 32, they came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy, and saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what Thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither knew they what to answer him. And he cometh a third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Lord, this morning as we have read these solemn words, we pray that our hearts would be open to receive the truth and that we can say, Lord, we love our Savior for all He has done for us. Blessed Lord Jesus, be glorified today in this service. Come and stand here in this pulpit. O God, come and sit and abide in the pews. And Holy Spirit, we pray today that we would be very conscious of the presence of our Lord with us, 
And so, Father, teach us, help us to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And Father, any who today are without Jesus in their heart, they don't know Christ in a personal way, Lord, speak to their hearts today, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last two Lord's Days, we've been thinking about Scriptures that point to the Lord Jesus Christ. From Isaiah 42 and verse 1, where Isaiah said, Behold my servant. He was merely writing down what God the Father was saying to him. And then 700 years later, the prophet John the Baptist, he pointed to Jesus while he was at the Jordan River, and he declared, Behold, the Lamb of God. What these two prophets spoke was really nothing more than the entire theme of the Bible as they were drawing and directing attention to the Lord Jesus Christ, who He was and what He came to do. John the Baptist was a voice crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. And in this sense, it's no wonder that the Savior said of him that of all men born of women, he was the greatest because of the prophetic word that he now brought into real time. He had the honor that was unlike any other. Of all the prophets, they spoke of the coming of Christ, and they anticipated and looked forward to that day. But when John was the very man who was able to show the Messiah at the beginning of his ministry, now, the Savior spent three years of His ministry enduring the opposition and the rejection and the betrayal of those that He had created. And as He neared the end of His walk on earth, we are confronted with the same word, behold. But this time, it is spoken by Jesus Himself when He came to the end of the time of anguish in the garden of Gethsemane, He calmly said, Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. And so today in our service, I want us to think very deeply about that phrase that our Lord spoke. For He gave us a time frame he said, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed. And I pray the Lord will open our hearts a little wider, that we'll have a deeper understanding, that we will grow in the grace of the Lord and understand what the Savior endured in order to obtain for us His everlasting salvation. We've read the context of Mark 14. It indeed was the, the Last Supper. The words of institution that our Lord Jesus spoke, they are 
seen more fully in Matthew's Gospel and in Luke. But here in Mark, we have them, well, they're just shortened a little bit. But presented to us the boastfulness of Peter, but he was not alone. The other disciples entered in too. And after Christ said, I'm going now to the fulfillment, to the appointment of my heavenly Father, and I will be abused, and I will be set aside. And Peter said, no, Lord, I'm going to die for you. The others also said, no, we will not let that happen. We will also die with you as well. So I want us to notice, first of all, here in this account, in this verse of Scripture, we have, Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed. Notice the time had come. The time had come. He says in verse number 41, He cometh the third time and says to them, said to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. This expression, the hour has come, it simply means the time has arrived. And God's eternal clock could not be advanced one hour, nor could it be delayed one hour. There were times when Jesus stated plainly, as in John 7 and verse 8, my time is not yet come. And in John 7 verse 30, the hour was not yet come. And when he taught in the treasury, no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. So in the appointment, in the life work of Christ, it wasn't haphazard. It wasn't going to be by some chance. It was by the exact timing of a sovereign God, the appointment of the Lord Jesus. And that clock was ticking. That purpose for the salvation of sinners was counting down. And the time had come that would reverse the fall in the Garden of Eden that plunged all of humanity into the threefold death of physical death and of spiritual death and of eternal death. And it would only be the second man, the last Adam, that could turn around that judgment that the soul that sins, it must die. And so Christ would come to reverse that. And even though the soul that sinned would die, He would come to be a Savior and a Redeemer. And all history has waited for that hour. Kingdoms had been raised up. Nations had been built. And advancing empires had been extinguished. And all for the sole purpose of ushering in the single event in human history that would change the course of time forever. It was, dear friends, for this hour that Christ had come into the world. In Galatians 4 and verse 4, 
We are told when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. And as the glorious incarnation of Christ, of the Son of God coming down to take on human flesh, that was the beginning of His earthly journey. But the plan from all eternity had been the cross It was set as the culmination to make atonement for the people that God had given to His only begotten Son. My friend, the Savior knew that timing in every step of His life that He took. He knew what He had come to this world to do. No wonder we are told that He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He knew His timing. He was constantly aware of the will of His heavenly Father in every single step that He took in His life. I wonder, friends, as we think about that, are we aware of our time? Are we aware of God working in our life? Are we cognizant of the fact that we are not here by accident, but we are stepping through this life by a providential and sovereign hand over us? Are we aware of it? We need to be, and we should be, as God's children, for we are not by accident, but God directing and leading and keeping us And let us be very mindful and say to the Lord, I don't want to be, Father, out of step with your time. I don't want to be doing something that is going to bring dishonor or, in a sense, set me back. I want to go forward. I want to go on with my Lord. I want to do according to His divine will. And Christ came to that point in His life. And he said, the hour, the time has been fulfilled and it's coming to pass. When we think also today of beholding the Son of Man who is betrayed, we ask this question, why the Son of Man? This term is used exclusively by Jesus when he was speaking of himself, and he always did so in the third person. It's specifically the Son of Man in the original, and it is not simply a Son of Man. So there's something very direct, something that is unique that Christ is speaking of regarding Himself. It's used several times of the Lord in the New Testament. For example, the very first appearance of that is in Matthew 8, verse 20, when Jesus said unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay His head. What a wonderful statement! An amazing truth! Here is the Creator of all things, the Maker of all elements, the one who placed the stars in the universe, and he's coming down to earth, and he said, all of my creation has some place to abide, for I have provided that for him. But the Son of Man, 
does not even have a place to put his head upon? The humility, the condescension of of our Lord Jesus is most amazing to us. Certainly one of the most significant expressions that the Lord used was in Luke 19, verse 10, where He said these words, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. What a great gospel text and invitation that is, friend. And I say to you, as the Lord said so many years ago, Christ has come to seek and to save you because He came to seek and to save me, lost in sin. And if you don't know Christ today, you can rejoice that this is your Redeemer. This is your Lord. This is the only answer for the need, the sinful need of your heart. And He has come to seek you that you might be found and you might know Him and come to trust in Him. When our Lord used that phrase repeatedly, most certainly it has a strong reference to the humanity of the Savior. He is bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. We take great delight in emphasizing the deity of our Lord Jesus. We, create, we take great delight in exalting the fact that He is God the Son, the Son of God. But here, how many times our Savior took great emphasis and focus upon emphasizing His own humanity. And why would He do that? Why would He almost trip over Himself to emphasize again and again the Son of Man? The Son of Man. He was without any apology or denial saying, I am a human being. God has become a man in order that we might be united to our God. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And behold, the Son of Man is betrayed. The commentator Lenski noted, there is a mystery in this title which is still felt as we read the record of its use by Jesus, the Son of Man, lifts this one man out from among all men as being one who has this human nature in a way in which no other man has it, who while he is indeed true man, is more than man, is also the Son of the living God. Our Lord, He took on human flesh with great humility. He suffered in the flesh. But in that same flesh, there is greatness and power beyond all other men. In the prophecy of Daniel, 
in chapter 7, which I do intend to come back to. Our study in Daniel concluded in chapter 6, and I'm still intending on continuing that study. And in chapter 7, the prophet, he speaks prophetically. He speaks of the coming of Messiah, and he uses that very same phrase. In chapter 7 and verse 13, he, he refers to the Son of Man who has an everlasting kingdom. So no doubt that Daniel is speaking prophetically. He's speaking eschatologically about the Lord's coming and about the power of His everlasting kingdom. Friends, we can rejoice today that the Son of God, the glorious second person of the Trinity, He took on human flesh and was prepared to call Himself the Son of Man, David's greater Son, to be our Savior. And so I say to you today, friend, is He your Savior? Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Has He washed away your sins? You can't enjoy and have that just by some a dreamy thought, or because you have been brought up in a Christian family. Maybe you have some Christian heritage that you can look back to. That's not good enough, friend. That does not make us a believer. No, we have to come to receive Christ Jesus as our own personal Savior, repenting of our sin and calling on Him to be our Lord. Yes, my dear friends, we're thinking about why did Jesus use this term, the Son of Man? But we have another question. Why is He betrayed? Betrayal is not done by an open enemy, but it's done by a professed friend, some associate maybe, a fellow citizen, a brother, maybe a close family member. You'll recall that David, King David, was betrayed by Absalom, his son. He was betrayed by Ahithophel, a wise counselor and a close associate of David. Those times are most distressing, especially when you have placed a special trust some confidentiality. In a sense, you've opened your heart. You've given your heart. You've spoken with unguarded communication to someone and only to find out later that they have put a knife in your back. It's a very distressing thing to be betrayed. John tells us that Christ came to His own, but His own received Him not. And the very place where we would have expected that the Savior would have been welcomed and received with gladness and joy, but instead He was disdained, He was held with suspicion, He was accused of blasphemy, He was ridiculed as a false prophet. But the specific word in our text is that He was betrayed into the hands of sinners. Sinners. 
This has a direct reference to Judas Iscariot, whom we know held a most privileged position of being the disciple of Christ, a disciple of Christ, who walked with the Lord for three years, who heard the preaching and teaching of Christ and those private, intimate communications that he had with all his disciples, Judas was there. He heard it all. But beyond that, he witnessed the Lord's miraculous power. And he saw those things firsthand. Sometimes when the Lord put other people out of the room or out of the place, the disciples were there, and Judas saw that. He witnessed it. And something a step further, when the Lord sent out His disciples two by two to go and preach the gospel, Judas was one of those who went out, and we are told that they all were given the power to heal. In preaching the gospel, they did miraculous things. And there's no reason to believe that Judas was not able to do that as well. And yet... He bartered away his eternal soul for 30 pieces of silver. The irony is he never got to enjoy one of those pieces of silver. To some degree, you know, and in some cases, as we reflect in our own lives and problems that we may have had, We have to own a portion of betrayal that is brought against us. How is that? Why is that? Well, quite frankly, friends, because we are all sinful creatures and characters. And because of our own sinful nature, there are things that come to the surface. And so when we find ourselves on the on the bad end, perhaps sometimes of some breakdown, some issue, some problem. We have to own some portion of it. But that was never true of our Lord. For Christ was never guilty of any crime or sin. He never did anything that would have given anyone justifiable reason to turn on Him as He was betrayed. It was all the more sinister as it had happened and come against Christ. And Judas, who knew Him, who had only received, understand this, Judas had only received good from the Lord. He had all the opportunities The privileges given to him were great. They were so elevated. And yet he turned and he bit the hand that fed him. You know, even in human courts, a mastermind behind some conspiracy has more culpability than some devotee who carried out a heinous act. And so the betrayal of Christ, it has levels to it. Christ said to Pilate, you could have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore, 
He that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And who was Christ talking about when he referred to those who had given him to Pilate? It was the Jewish nation, the Jewish people. And we think then, too, about those who had delivered them unto him. So Pilate was guilty of some injustice in condemning an innocent man, no doubt about that. But the Jewish leaders were guilty because they had conspired and they had paid Judas to sell Jesus out. And Judas himself was guilty because he sold the Son of God for a few bits of metal. But behind it all, friend, the treacherous purpose of Satan to destroy the Christ and to get back the kingdom that he believed belonged to and was rightfully his, ah, you see, they're all aspects of betrayal. But I say to you this morning, to all of us, that there is collusion that we have a part in this as well. You say, how could that be? I was not there. I was no part of the disciple band. I was no part of, of Judas or of the Jews. I, I wasn't in the Roman guard at that time. How could we have a part? The night was a very dark one in Gethsemane. And for a while, His disciples were sleeping. And Christ was at that time praying, and He was sweating as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What was He doing? He was wrestling with hell, with the temptations the devil was bringing to Him, forsake the cross, find an escape route, and avoid all of the suffering. And after the Lord appealed to His disciples to remain awake and to pray with Him, He said to them after the third time they had fallen asleep, He said to them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. There's a variety of opinion as to the meaning of the words that Jesus spoke, it is enough. It seems to be a word or phrase we could easily pass over and not consider it. I suggest to you that the Lord meant by that there was enough wrestling with the devil's temptations. He is a defeated foe, and I will press on to fulfill the purpose of my Father in heaven. It is enough as I have walked this earth and borne witness to the will of God. My time is coming to an end. It is enough of hell's fury will now be seen for all its injustice and hatred, all its rebellion against God and the Creator, will become subject to the hands of wicked men. It is enough that my time to meet the cross has arrived, and I will embrace it with all my heart.
But let us not forget, friends, that we are also guilty of the betrayal and crucifixion of the Son of Man. Yes, in a very real sense, we nailed Him to that cross. It was our active rejection of God and the open rebellion of His Holy Word. We are the betrayers. We are the ones who are all complicit in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say to us all today, friends, it is time, if you're not a believer, to repent and flee to Him for salvation, to acknowledge your part in that heinous act, and to call out to the Lord Jesus for mercy and for grace. And if we know Him, friend, today perhaps you've never deeply or fully considered the weight of your own sin against a holy God, then think today and come to call out to the Lord with renewed thanksgiving for all He has done for us. So we have asked the question, why the phrase, the Son of Man, and why is He betrayed? And this final thought I leave with you this morning, it is His willingness to be taken. Christ's willingness to be taken. Why would the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, be willing to suffer and die in the place of sinful, God-rejecting people like me, like you? I say to you, friend, today, it is because of His love for you. His love that is so high, so wide, so deep, so vast. Galatians 2 and verse 20 tells us, the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And the hymn writer captured with these words, Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. For mercy there was great, and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. You know, all the steps of Christ from the arrest and the abuse in Gethsemane to the mock trial in Caiaphas's palace where he was slapped and spit upon, the mockery and the abuse of the soldiers, to the brutal scourging and suffering, and then to the cross and the humiliation of a naked crucifixion, and all at the hands of sinners like us. It is with shocking silence that we gaze upon Him who has loved us with an everlasting love. Behold the Son of Man. 
You know, our Lord was not powerless. Some foolish people might assume that Christ was taken against His will. He was not powerless. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set Him free. But He died alone for you and for me. Our Lord was willing to give Himself. And as Paul said in Ephesians 5, 2, Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Ah, friends, as we conclude today, how will, how will you respond seeing that Christ did all this for us? We are guilty of His crucifixion and to admit that before the Lord and to repent of our sin and to call on Him to be our Savior. That is so necessary, friend, today. We have broken His law. We have offended a holy God. And that sin is against our account. And it's not until we repent of that acknowledging that Christ is the only answer that we will have salvation and to receive the free gift that God has given to us. For God has so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is the free gift. And then that we would give our lives into His hands and say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Here am I, Lord, take me. Here am I, Lord, use me for whatever plan and purpose that you have, that we will walk whatever days He gives us left in His purpose and in His will. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, today we are, we are humbled again to have this account of our Lord's life and how clearly and specifically we are told these most wonderful things. And dear Father, we are thankful today that our Lord Jesus was willing to go to the cross. And we say today, Lord, we want to behold Him, the Son of Man, the one made like unto our flesh, yet without sin. And we say, Lord, today that we love Christ Jesus with our hearts. And I pray that, Lord, You would continue to speak, work effectually in the hearts of those outside of the Savior. And Lord, renew in every believing heart, renew a devotion and love that we will see Him whom our soul loves and that we will say, Lord, whatever You want of me in my life, I give myself afresh to You. I hear this, our prayer. Part us now, Lord, in Your fear and with Your rich blessing. We ask in Jesus' name.
Amen.